hard. Uh, have a nice day. Go Blue and Michigan Basketball broadcast against Northwestern coming up at 7 o'clock. When I play a dope melody, anything less than the best is a felony. Love it or leave it. You better gain weight. You better hit bulls out of kid. Don't play. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. Turns out we'll be doing two minutes of bonus daily sports report here today. Uh, Emily, any last comments you want to get in on that on that discussion we were just just talking about? Yeah, well, as you said, I mean, <laughs> I think it's the easy thing. Everyone says the Warriors are going to win, but it's the easy thing. But I think it's also, you know, the right thing. I mean, they're just so amazing and so just I don't know I know I keep saying the word dynamic but dynamic on offense um but and I don't know what it is but there's no real reason to hate on I mean hate's a strong word but hate on Steph Curry but there's just I don't know something about him now I feel like players he can kind of just be like babyish and like he throws his mouth guard and there's reasons I don't like LeBron because he can be a baby too um but I feel like he's gotten better because um I, I actually had more respect for him um, after this past finals when he lost because I thought he put everything out on the court that he possibly could. Um, and, you know, he complained less than he usually does for everything that was up against him. And I just think that Steph Curry sometimes, even if he performs well, he can shrink in moments where, um, like, his team really needs him. And then all of a sudden, like, okay, he's playing well and, and then he's, you know, everyone loves him. But, yeah, those... That's why I sometimes dislike For sure. I, I, I agree with that generally. And I, I basically understand what you're saying. Basically, if I'm hearing you correctly, everyone in the NBA is soft except for Zach Randolph. <laughs> yes. Okay. And with, and with that, uh, two bonus minutes of Daily Sports Report. We'll say so long and go blue. Thank you for listening today. Uh, we're down in the uh, studio this evening. Uh, welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My n- name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And Gray Matters is the weekly news and media talk show. And obviously the big breaking story today was that the number two man in the FBI has resigned. Uh I'm sure that it's somewhat peripherally related to the Russian inquiry, but we don't need to talk about that. That's going to go on for years. <laughs> well, and McCabe isn't necessarily going away either because, in essence, he stands as a witness to Comey's documentation of his conversations with the president. Yeah, um, and let's remember that W. Mark Felt resigned. He was the, uh, after a while, he was the uh, number two. Man in the FBI when Nixon named uh, 
L. Patrick Gray as acting uh, FBI director after the death of J. Edgar Hoover. Mark Felt, of course, turned out to be deep throat. So um, leaking from the FBI is, is nothing new. And I don't know all the inside baseball stuff that's going on in Washington regarding this whole stupidity uh, is, 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 is silly because I don't think the issue has got anything to do with collusion. I think it's about obstruction of justice. And that's I think, becoming clearer. I think it's about what, you know, what really happened. And I think that there are some people that want to get to the bottom of it and some people don't. And this whole movement last week to create a memo. We've got a memo, a smoking gun that's going to clear Trump and... It's this little thing we just wrote down. It's four pages or something. And I just heard some almost sarcastically humorous stuff about this memo and how uh, Sean Hannity claimed it was the the biggest cover-up and abuse of power since Watergate. <laughs> well, and, you, and you're like, okay. And then they have like a... You know, it's like Free Willy, the the killer orca whale, <laughs> released the memo. So apparently today they're having a big uh, vote in the House of Representatives about this mysterious memo. By the way, uh, Donald Trump can uh, declassify the memo himself if he wants to release the memo. Yeah, his own Justice Department is actually arguing against releasing it. Yeah, and who knows what's in it and... Frankly, who cares? It's not. It's it's going to turn out to be a big uh, flop. Well, you'd think Guaranteed. that the uh, apologists for the president would want to ease back on the Watergate references. I mean, quite frankly, yeah. Rosemary Woods emerged last week uh, as a, a an object of metaphor. Uh, of course, <laughs> the extent to which she merely took the fall for that erasure is another topic. All together. Right. But uh, my pick for the leak of the week was the uh, four connected sources saying uh, this thing about Don McGahn telling the president, no, don't fire Comey. If you do, I quit. Right. Saturday Night Massacre uh, style. He, it begins to look like, you know, who, without knowing who the four sources are for the story, uh, that uh, this begins to look like sort of the John Dean moment where people begin to realize, okay, uh, here's where we're at. I've got to begin to position myself uh, amidst this wreckage as uh, drawing a line at some point. Yeah, and the thing with him, by the way, is that he is a sort of an establishment uh, Republican operative. He's not what we would call a drain-the-swamp uh, fanatic. So he's sort of there to keep uh, keep an adult in the room anyway. Well, and that position is not like the personal lawyer of the president. That's a separate thing. This is representing the office itself, and yeah. therefore, you know, the American people's stake in that office and what it represents. Exactly. And, of course, Nixon had a variety of... Of lawyers giving him advice at various times during Watergate. Uh, the other sort of strange thing last week about all of that stuff was, of course, that Trump was in uh, Switzerland and Davos at the the economic uh, powwow of the super super elite. We're not even talking about drain the swamp type people. <laughs> So Trump is trying to play up the economy and brag about everything going on there. Of course, we promised to uh, 
talk a little bit about the economy. And I just find it strange how uh, all of a sudden Trump is trying to claim credit for everything. <laughs> you know, we're in a classic cyclical bull market that's been going on since 2009. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Gas prices lately have been edging upward. That might negate the uh, impact of the tax cuts. But there's no effect of anything Trump has actually done yet for the American economy other than allow polluters to to throw orange water around in West Virginia and Kentucky. The tax cut, you know, that goes into effect uh, in a couple of weeks in terms of withholding. And, of course, that impact on the economy is still unclear. Trump has appointed a new chairman of the Fed, uh, Mr. Powell. But Janet Yellen still got one more meeting to uh, oversee uh, this week. So Fed policy may change uh, under this scenario. And... The, the the number of indices that, that show that there's n nothing radical going on here, there aren't any really new numbers that indicate that uh, Trump has done anything at, any different from Barack Obama. All you do is look at, at all the graphs. Here's you know, one example. Um, at the end of the year, they always report um, auto sales for the entire year. That, of course, is a big... Uh, subject here in the state of Michigan. And you can see from the numbers that the car sales for the year were actually slightly less than the last two years. And of course, the auto sales are, are not indicative of, uh, of anything that big, but it's a durable good, and it's a major employer of people here in the American economy. And you can see that auto sales plummeted uh, during the recession in 2008 and into 2009, and then they steadily went up. Now, part of this was uh, the bailout, the TARP uh, stuff. So there's just simply no economic data that, that shows that anything is all that different under Donald Trump. And it's interesting to note, by the way, that even though... Trump has changed a little bit of the psychology, maybe, uh, that you can give him some credit for. Because uh, in recent years, it's it's fascinating to me that behavioral economics is a big subject now. Uh, frequently, that is who wins the Nobel Peace Prize. It's interesting, uh, the Nobel Economic Prize, that, that, that the e e economics as a subject has gone a little bit away from mathematics and more into psychology. Well, sociology, anthropology. Yeah. And, of course, there are many products that are consumed at, at strange rates. They have a front-page story today uh, in the New York Times that I didn't bring with me, but it's about oil, um, oil production. And, of course, what it shows is that oil production went steadily up under Barack Obama. And you would go, huh? Why would it be going up under Barack Obama? Well, that's because the shale oil technology uh, became more effective 
for better or worse, in the middle part of uh, the last decade. Now, those numbers are interesting that they show there, but they don't indicate the full story. Uh, the United States still consumes 16 to 18 million barrels a day. So while production has gone up, we're still importing oil. And uh, it's strange that we even export gasoline, which we do because we have refineries. But we're still importing oil to meet our daily needs. And, of course, per day, every day is a little different. Uh, if you have Thanksgiving weekend, for instance, we'll just throw that one out. We know that way more people are on the road driving. <laughs> or if you have a winter that happens to contain a lot of snowstorms, uh, yeah. which is going to uh, create extra needs for fuel, both in heating and in road maintenance costs. Sure. There you go. So those, those numbers vary a little bit from day to day, but they generally average about 16 to 18 million uh, barrels a day. That's the American consumption level. So it's fantastic that we are producing more oil uh, because we have been able to reduce our imports of oil from Saudi Arabia. And it's, of course, interesting on the graph that they have in today's uh, New York Times showing that that Canadian oil production has gone up. Now, its slope intercept is a little flatter, but almost all the oil that Canada is producing, we're importing. And that can be said, the, the same can be said of Mexico. In other words, we're getting more of our oil from our neighbors. And you hear constant, this constant refrain from Donald Trump, I'm going to renegotiate NAFTA. And you're like, dude, what are you going to renegotiate? This this trade deal is done. It's, the, you know, the last sort of um, debatable parts of it expired in 2012. There's nothing to renegotiate. You can go to the World Trade Organization. And it's fascinating that, of course, over the weekend, uh, the, the uh, World Trade Organization ruled against uh, the complaint of Boeing. In, in favor of the Canadian um, uh, airplane uh, company, Bar B Bombardar Bombardier. It's kind of a weird name, but uh, these things are still up in the air, uh, these, these promises of trade agreements. And most of the business establishment thinks that Trump is actually kind of off his rocker on this very subject, that uh, we don't want to disrupt... Uh, trade agreements. He's made all these crazy claims about renegotiating uh, trade with Britain. And he was very kind to offer Theresa May some new advice about Brexit. And perhaps a moist towelette to wipe the uh, dwindling cookie crumbs away after tea time as uh, she found herself sort of shunted off to the side at Davos as yeah. Britain sort of uh, voted itself into insignificance. Yeah, it, it did, and and how utterly appropriate that they have created a um, a minister of loneliness. I don't know if you saw that, <laughs> but there were a lot of really strange stories last week. We have we're about uh, three hundred years too late on that one. Stormy Daniels yes. is back in the news. Uh, she apparently has got an interview coming up, and of course, I loved the one about the uh, the Botox and the camels. Apparently, they have a beauty contest in Saudi Arabia for camels. <laughs> and the new scandal is they're using Botox 
which of course is a well, str- Trump knows a lot about beauty pageants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> could certainly advise in some capacity there or judge it's just so strange that they would be injecting botox into camels to to make their chins more prominent this camel's good looking a, a little too good looking <laughs> that's right we got some we got a whole lot of cheating going on here so things are uh, <clears throat> continue to be strange around the world uh for many many reasons and uh of course the story that's going <clears> to <throat> dominate the news tomorrow is this uh, new development regarding the resignation of the number two man in the FBI. But the details of this incident are remarkable in and of themselves. I just happened to catch uh, the six o'clock update on uh, cable news. As I was was a comment, I don't know if it was a tweet or a personal comment, you know, man to man in a room. Where he told McCabe to ask his wife what it's like to be a loser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, that's Donald Trump for you. And I thought, boy, uh, you could come back with uh, asking Melania about that. Indeed. <laughs> I mean, and that's she's seems to be keeping him at <laughs> something more than arm's length. Yeah, be, uh, we've never seen a, a a divorce of a sitting president, but he's, uh, uh, he's at camel, I don't want to speculate camel necks. Uh, distance at this point but then the other thing of course that was strange about the story is that trump apparently went ballistic because comey took a private airplane back from la after after he'd been fired and he'd gone out there on official business so like yeah it was a speaking engagement as you know (laughs) fbi director what what did he expect him to do right you got to get back to your house somehow he lives in Washington. That seems like the pettiness of Donald Trump and is just more. One of the three potential reasons that were listed as, you know, why back in June of uh, 2017 he was going to fire Mueller, that uh, he was that Mueller had been upset about uh, an increase in greens fees at uh, the Trump golf course. Yeah. And so he resigned. So therefore, he's unfit. Unfit and biased. Kind of a bizarre excuse is that. Well, Trump's brain is is bizarre. And, of course, um, we're seeing now with some of the fine print, uh, another classic story uh, a couple weeks ago. Trump uh, gets the tax cut through. The uh, world's largest retailer here in the United States announces that they're going to um, give bonuses to their workers. We know who we're talking about here. It, it It's a mart. <laughs> but then in the fine print, they're closing 80 stores. They're laying off a couple of thousand people uh, in the management as they, quote, become leaner, unquote. So Trump wants to advertise and emphasize how effective this tax cut policy was in raising workers' pay, and of course the pay at uh, Slave Mart has always been inadequate. Everybody knows that. They've done studies that show that about 40% of the workers are on public assistance. Or, you know, have some sort of other job Yeah, to make ends meet. Can't can't get uh, the, the, the hours in. So, uh, you know, all of these economic stories come with hidden 
truths that are not being revealed and that Trump doesn't want to talk about. By the way, a lot of lower-waged uh, workers that have seen their pay go up have not gotten pay increases because of the economic policies of Donald Trump. They've gotten the pay increases because states and localities voted to increase the minimum wage. It's that simple. If 25% of the workers that contribute to Social Security and whatnot make minimum wage, and that's roughly the figure in the United States, when you have a state like California, Michigan did it this year, Washington State, we know that Seattle area increased, uh, they've got a living wage proposal there. This is going on all over the country, and it's happening because voters are forcing the minimum wage up because Congress won't do anything. Congress won't act. So when you hear Donald Trump probably tomorrow night, and I'm certainly not going to bother with the State of the Union speech, um, it's just there's a better There's going to be a better cartoon than that on TV. Yeah, and uh, I don't need to watch the stoic face of... Mike Pence, Mike not, Pence. In, not in pious agreement with horror after horror. <laughs> Luckily, there was I a... I bask in your glow, divine being. Yes. Oh, divine one. <laughs> well, he was at the... He was at the... The wall, speaking of walls. <laughs> he was at the wall in Israel a couple of... Uh, couple of days ago, uh, praising the uh, decision to move the capital to Jerusalem and promising to expedite the operation. Uh, Trump, of course, makes a big announcement a couple of weeks ago, speaking in the Middle East, about, um, hey, we're going to sh- cut cut Pakistan off. You know, we're, we're tired of getting pushed around by them. Bingo, bango, bongo. What, what have you been seeing in the last week in Afghanistan? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of carnage. A little bit. And, uh, you know, more bizarre stuff. Uh, troops now are visible on the Internet when they train and where the bases are because the United States has so much high technology in countries that— uh, are living in the Stone Age, to paraphrase Donald Rumsfeld, uh, they stick out. (laughs) That's almost poetic justice. It's almost surreal that you can now identify the American secret military bases. Hey, I'm getting getting a Wi-Fi pickup out here. That's right. (laughs) Plus they're wearing their Fitbits. Yeah, yeah, uh, technology that's worn by soldiers is trackable. That's monitoring their movements. Jerry points out here. They began, you know, some guys on the internet began seeing these dudes that were like running around a track every day. They're like, what's that? Ah, that's the military base. (laughs) Very strange, but uh, freaky. In, in its own way, this this new uh, technology era that we're living in, in which everybody is monitored, well, and corporations and government. Th- as we come into the final seven minutes of the program, we're not going to have time to go into great detail on this, but it's sort of been lurking in the background, uh, unspoken by anybody, certainly in the Trump administration. I don't even know if Jared Kirshner has realized this facet of the decision to move the embassy to Jerusalem yet, but the hand is now forced since the two-state plan uh, 
is utterly disintegrated. Sure. Uh, that the issue is going to become more and more pressing. Uh, will Israel be a Jewish state or a democratic state? It can't be both. And a question. The that day ju- is coming where that decision is going to have to be made. And that was a question that John Kerry, uh, as he was sort of exiting office, uh, asked uh, rhetorically to find out uh, where Israel is going to be. Now, of course, it's ironic that they have just announced their own new policies of deportation. I don't know if you saw this, but Benjamin Netanyahu, of course, is sort of like that old comment that Benjamin Franklin had about house guests and (laughs) fish. He's been around a little too long. I think. Well, his wife is currently embroiled in a corruption scandal. But, uh, you know, it's bizarre that the uh, is Israeli state now is uh, has got a program to pay people to go back to Eritrea or Kenya or Malawi or Uganda. It's like a Mitt Romney self-deportation plan. Um, it's strange. And this has raised all sorts of Issues this is connected to migrant workers that have come into Israel in recent years uh, seeking a better life and allegedly converting to Judaism, a la Jared Kushner. Um, so who knows? There's it's kind of interesting that uh, Sarah Silverstein's sister is heavily involved in a counter movement against this uh, proposal. Huh. So this is just one more example, by the way, of the continuing problem with global refugees and the movement of people. Uh, I don't see how Trump's wall is going to solve anything. And when Donald Trump declares America is open for business, I'm thinking, wait a minute, the the government's going to shut down next week. February 8th. We, We have another... Manufactured crisis, courtesy of just around the corner. Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell and the Dodos. You get Groundhog's Day in there first, so (laughs) yeah. If if only federal workers got the day off for Groundhog's Day to go home and see if they can see their shadow. (laughs) Yes, you have six more weeks of employment if you see your shadow. (laughs) With any luck. With any luck. And pay no attention to that man that looks like Bill Murray who's roaming around on the golf course. Now, wait a minute. Is is he tending the greens for Donald Trump's golf courses these days? I hope not. Now, there's a good mental image. There's a good mental. I'm going to get you, Mr. Gopher. There's a good mental image. Rodney Dangerfield has returned to the grace that... The greens of Donald Trump's golf courses. Would that it were so. <laughs> Global in nature. Oh, boy. So. Well, on a completely less ridiculous note, as we reach the final three minutes of the program here, Yazoo City Calling will be coming up next, of course, with Jerry Mack. A uh, good hour of the down-home early blues. Uh this situation's just beginning to get worse and worse. The Turkish, Syrian, Kurdish yeah. 
border imbroglio, where we're allied with both Kurds and Turks who hate each other, but are fighting ISIS, which we want them to do. And, and we've pretty much cleaned out of Syria, but they're, they've scattered globally. Uh, this is yet one more example of Sean Hannity and his foolishness. A couple of weeks ago, they were on the Fox News Network stating that, um, that Trump deserves credit for winning the war against ISIS. And I'm like, well, have you looked at Afghanistan lately? What do you think is going to happen in Syria next? Well, now we know. We know that, that uh, Turkey... Uh, is 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 kind of scoffing at the notion that the United States can do much about Syria with two thousand troops, because what can they do? Uh, there are so many operatives in the Syrian conflict still that uh, hopefully they, there's somebody in the in the world other than Russia can actually force people to the peace negotiating table because that's been Russia's position for quite some time even though they've openly backed Assad and his uh, preservation of his of his state so Syria has become this remarkably complicated uh, sphere of influence uh, case example you know sort of textbook example of foreign powers with bigger armies and conflicting national interests. And that's what this is really all about. Turkey, of course, is in total agreement with Iraq and Iran and Syria, for that matter, on the, Kur on the issue of the Kurds. And the Kurds, of course, have been uh, utilized by American... Uh, Interventionist, shall we say, over many, many years mm. to disrupt uh, states in the region. And it's this continuing chaos uh, that uh, doesn't get solved. And it's, you know, it's troubling when you hear about a government like Australia promoting the notion that the, well, what we've got to do is we've got to give the arms industry more subsidies to sell more weapons because of jobs. Well... That's those are the wrong kinds of jobs, in my opinion. And of course, the United States leads the world in selling these weapons of uh, murder and uh, destruction that are killing so many people, and who, by the way, are creating these refugee problems. Yeah, it's no way to uh, grow anybody's economy. This is this is all connected. This is this is uh, what Donald Trump isn't getting. He he talks about all of these issues in terms of victory. So anyway, we are uh, pretty much officially out of time here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next after uh, these messages. Yo, this is George Dr. Funkenstein Clinton. And whenever I'm in Ann Arbor, I check out WCBN FM. They do the dog. WCBN FM and Arbor.